everybody, thanks so much again for making it a priority and choosing to join us. And, uh, you know, we're continuing this series, this idea, this series behind what it means to be a local, recognizing that together we are locals. And a local is someone who belongs to a specific place or neighborhood. And, and we've been looking the last, uh, you know, a few weeks here, like a couple of weeks together at the story of the Good Samaritan. You find it uh, in, in, in Luke, we find it in Luke chapter 10. And uh, we're going to be looking at verse 34 together. But uh, in that story, we get the idea as uh, this, this young uh, lawyer challenges Jesus with a few cunning questions, what it means, what it, what it looks like to be a neighbor. And, and here's the thing that I just think is so, uh, it's so endearing, so, so incredible about Jesus is he, he has this way of taking, and we see this happen throughout scripture, he has this way of taking these complex and abstract theological discussions and he, and he kind of, he flips them in a sense. He kind of, he, he, he flips the switch in, in, in such a way where he turns it into this real discourse of, of, of what a real life issue, something perhaps pressing and prominent might, it might be taking place and how it is that we're together as, as believers, as sons and daughters are, are encouraged to respond. You know, when we look at the story of the Good Samaritan, there is no question that this encounter makes clear to us how, it, how God does not allow distinctions to be made when it comes to the treatment of others. Period. I'll say that again. This encounter makes clear to you and I as the reader. This encounter that we read of here in Scripture makes clear to us that God does not allow distinctions in any way, shape, or form to be made when it comes to the way that others should be treated. Period. Let's take a look at the story here together. We're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 10, verse 34. We're just looking at the first little portion here in verse 34. This is what we read. It says, Going over to him, him being the man that had been beaten, him being the man that had fallen amongst robbers, him being the man that was presently wounded on the side of the road, who others had just passed by, going over to him, this is the Samaritan, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed the wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. I want you to know that you and I, we have a responsibility in this community. That you and I, we have a responsibility here in this location that we call home. That you and I have a responsibility uh, with our families and the places that we work and and the places that we, that we, that we attend frequently. The, the, the the streets that, you know, that you and I, that you and I would call resident. Like that's, we have a responsibility together as locals. We have a responsibility as neighbors to love others well. And I I need you to understand that, that a neighbor will do things that other people might neglect to do. The first thing that we read about in this story is that this individual, this Samaritan, whose name we don't know, well, this individual took pity. And that's a big thing. And, and, and Kimberly talked about that last week. And, and if you haven't had a chance yet to, to hear last week's message, like I really encourage you at the end of our stream here, here today, at the end of your opportunity to watch here today, that you make sure that you, you head on back and check that message out as it was so powerful, so rich, and so pointed to right now. This Samaritan was an individual, this person, he was a neighbor, he was a local, he was somebody that recognized the need and took pity. And neighbors will often do things that perhaps others neglect to do. I want you to know that I believe personally that a neighbor will first initiate contact. Again, if you look at the portion of scripture that we're looking at here together, it, it says that going over to him, that's the Samaritan, 
going over to him. That the Samaritan made a decision that he was going to choose to go aside, that he was going to choose to change directions, that he was going to choose to go off course, that though he had a plan, though he, he thought he had a purpose, he was divinely distracted by an opportunity that presented itself in the area of need. I want you to know that I believe is an, a neighbor is someone who will initiate contact. That if you're going to be a neighbor, if, if you're going to be a local, if you're going to embody that very same character that we see within this story, then I want to encourage you to initiate contact with others. That I, I want you to allow the same spirit that enabled Jesus to defeat death that exists inside of you, I want you to allow that same spirit to lead you off course. To, to lead you into places and to lead you in towards divine distractions, to lead you to appointments and opportunities where you too could initiate contact with other people. I, I love that in this story that the neighbor that, that, that Jesus you know, uh, uplifts, the, the, this neighbor, this Samaritan, that, that, that Jesus shines such a broad, uh, broad and, and bold light upon that he didn't call the wounded over to him. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't gesture to the one who was in need on the side of the road, who, the one who just fallen, fallen victim to, to, to things of this world, to the one who had just been attacked, to the one who had just been left for dead on the side of the road. He, he didn't stand at a safe distance and call that individual over to him, but rather he himself went to those in need. I need you to know, church, that the time for us to just keep calling people to come to us and calling people towards the building is done. But you and I have a responsibility, and that's for us to go and to step into these situations and scenarios that might scare us, but have been presented to us with great purpose. That we can no longer just continue about going about the ways of doing things that we have the tendency to do and neglecting the opportunity to be a neighbor to those who are in need. You see, this was a big risk. Like it, this, for this Samaritan, there was a number of, 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 of keys that, that, you know, that, that took, took place in this story that caused him to, to go from the direction that he had determined to the one that had just been divinely presented. The choosing to go and to get close to this man that was, that was laying in need, well, you know, there was a chance that he too could have fallen victim to the, to the same group of, 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 of robbers that had just attacked this individual himself. He didn't know how safe the situation was. He didn't know perhaps how serious and how intense and, and, and how brutal the wounds were that perhaps this man would carry. Also, I mean, he, he didn't know if, if this man was perhaps from a distance breathing or, or not. And with Levitical law and with all these things, with all these pressures, and all these religious ideas that existed at that time, if he would have made contact with a corpse, well, that would have meant something different for him as well too. Not to mention, if he was the last one to perhaps be with this man as he was seen alive, if this man was to die either during his care or after his care, it could have cost the Samaritan his life too. You need to understand that when we determine risk, well, risk is determined by what we value. And if you and I value the opinions of other people, if you and I value and, and, and hold fast to the same perhaps system of value that maybe others or perhaps this world has the tendency to hold tightly to, then we're going to miss out on opportunities to be the neighbors that others need. See, in this moment, it was determined by this individual, it was determined by the Samaritan that it was a greater risk for him just to go about his business than instead for him to go about what it was that was needed in that moment. That he decided that what it was in this moment that valued, that was most value, was for him to be obedient and to love the one that he saw that it was in need. I need you to know that a neighbor will always initiate contact. I need you to also know that a neighbor will always come alongside to help alleviate the pain. 
that a neighbor will alleviate the pain. I, I love that in the next portion that we read in, in verse 34, uh, we're, we're, we're told this, that the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine. That not only did the Samaritan rush upon this individual and survey what was needed and necessary, but he actually had, he actually had within his grasp everything that was needed and necessary to help the person that was in need. I need you to understand together with me today that you already have within you everything that is needed and necessary to help those who are in pain around you. That you already have deposited into you, you are already carrying on your person, you are already carrying within you person, everything that is needed and necessary to make a difference in those lives that have fallen to the things of this world. I love that in this moment, as the Samaritan surveys the scene, as he rushes upon this man who, who requires aid in that moment, he has within reach everything that was required. That, that the olive oil would have helped to aid the healing process, and, and if not, it would have actually helped to speed it along. And, and the wine that he would have used would have been used to, to draw out the infection. And here's the thing about both of those substances that I don't want to be lost on us today. Is that both of those substances, both the olive oil and the wine, those things weren't produced without a season of crushing and without a season of pressure. And maybe you're in the midst of a season right now where you're feeling crushed and you're feeling pressed. But I need you to know that there is purpose in your pain. And that purpose that could come from your pain might not just be of benefit to you, but it could be of benefit to somebody else who's in ailment, who's in need right now on the other side of the room, on the other side of the road. Someone who perhaps you haven't seen, but by seeing them now, you've taken pity upon them. By recognizing even some of the statistics that, that Kimberly shared last week, you've become acutely aware and so all of a sudden, you're starting to realize, man, that season that I went through, there's something good that's coming from it. That season where I felt as though I was being trampled underfoot, just like a wild vine would have been in order to produce wine, just like I feel as though I've been stepped on by the things of this world, I need you to understand together with me today that there is purpose in that pain, and you might, by through that process, have everything that's required and needed to not just draw out the infection that perhaps is plaguing other people around you, but to also aid the process of healing that is so needed and necessary. I need you to know that a neighbor will initiate contact. I, I need you to understand with me that, that, that a neighbor will always go out of their way to alleviate the pain. That there's purpose, perhaps, in the pain that you're experiencing and the pressing and, 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 and the crushing that you've perhaps endured in different seasons, perhaps even in the season that you're in right now. You, too, might just be surprised as you initiate contact how you have everything that's needed in order to help somebody begin to heal from whatever it is that they find themselves in. A neighbor will initiate contact. A neighbor will alleviate pain. And a neighbor will always help with the healing process. In the last little portion that we have together here today, it, it says that the Samaritan soothed the wounds with olive oil and wine. He didn't leave them open, but rather he chose to bandage them. I, I, I love this picture because as, as you begin to study this, this, this scripture and you begin to dig a little deeper, uh, you know, it, it might make sense that he had some, you know, flask of, uh, of olive oil. And it might make sense that perhaps if he was carrying an, an, on some journey that he would have had some, some wineskin filled with, you know, some measure of wine. 
But the, the, the thought that perhaps that he would have, you know, considered to pack a, a first aid kit with, you know, band-aids, gauze, and medical tape, uh, not so likely. So it's, it's fair for you and I to assume that in this moment, the Samaritan begins to remove his own cloak and begins to use pieces of his own clothing to now cover the wounds in the areas of infection. And I, I want you to know that, that a neighbor is someone that doesn't just initiate contact. That doesn't just use the, the, the moments of pressing and, and perhaps, uh, you know, of, 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 of struggle and strife that they've been through to help bring some measure of aid and care and, and concern to others. But they also come along and, and they bind up and they, and they continue to see out the healing process. And we're going to continue this story, you know, next week as well too. But I, I just love that characteristic of this good Samaritan. The characteristic of a neighbor. The characteristic of a local of a local, of someone who just decided that even though I have a direction that I'm heading, I can't neglect the fact that this opportunity is divine. Those people, neighbors, they go out of their way to initiate contact. They go out of their way to alleviate the pain, but they also don't stop there. They come alongside and they use even things of their own self. They take, they take things off of themselves so that they can bind and splint and tape and cover and protect so that the person can be made fully well. I, I, I love this picture and friends, listen to me. That is the vision of the body of Christ. That for us as a church, I want to be the person. I hope that you'll choose to join me. I want to be the person that's going out and initiating contact with other people. I don't want to be the person that's standing on the other side of the road that just sees them from a distance, feels some measure of pity that prompts me to pray, and just waves them on over and says, hey, come on. Well, if you, if you could just pull yourself together and just come on. No, no, no. I don't want, that's, that's, not, the, that's, that's, not, what it, that's not what it is to be a neighbor. A neighbor is someone that steps out of their place of familiarity. A neighbor is someone that removes themselves from the place of comfort that they've found themselves in, and they go and initiate contact. It might be risky. There is a chance that there could be some transfusion of sorts. You might get a little dirty. You, you, might, you might get a little bit messy. You might have to use some of the stuff that you didn't even know that was in you, or maybe even some of the things that Jesus has intentionally put on you to help in that situation. But together, if we would do these things, well then as neighbors, we could be a part of the healing process of our community. We could be a part of the healing process of, 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 of this problem. We could be a part of the healing process of this. We could be a part of the healing process in lives around the world. That's what it looks like to be a neighbor. Now, even as I've gone through this story, and even, even in this moment, as I'm standing here, you know, right now, I, I can just imagine that there are some of you standing and sitting, or wherever it is that you've found yourself, you know, in this moment, to, 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 listen, to listen to this together with us, that, that you know, that there's something that you're in right now, that perhaps right now you feel pressed. Perhaps right now you're, you're feeling crushed. Perhaps you right now, you feel like the weight of the world is upon you. Maybe it's a diagnosis that you've yet to communicate to the people that are closest around you. Maybe it's just a, a, some measure of anxiety or worry or fear. I, I don't know perhaps what it is. I, I just need you to understand in this moment right now that there is purpose in whatever it is that you're facing. That I, I need you to know that God is in it and that he will never leave you and that he will never forsake you. But this story in and of itself speaks to us of not only what it is that we're called and commissioned to do as sons and daughters, as neighbors, as locals, but this is the picture of Jesus himself. 
that, that for God so loved you and I, that for God so loved you and I, that he actually sent Jesus down, that he sent a portion of himself down and across the street to meet us in our pain, to meet us in our sorrow, to meet us in our suffering, to meet us in the midst of everything that it is that we've gone through, to come alongside us after we felt beaten up, after we felt bruised, after we've been pierced by the, by the things of this world. Whatever it is that's come upon you, I need you to know that Jesus has come down for you. I'm gonna say it again. Whatever it is that perhaps has come upon you, I need you to know that that Jesus has come down for you. And he's not just standing at a distance and calling you over, but rather he's rushing to your side. And he's ready to bring ailment. He's ready to, he's ready to bring, uh, to, 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 to help with the ailment. He's ready to alleviate the pain. He's ready to apply, he's ready to apply the oil. He's ready to, to, to apply the one, he's ready to apply his blood to your situation so that you too can experience healing and freedom. I need you to understand that this story speaks to us as how it is that we're to live as locals, but it also shines a beautiful light on the gospel and the good news is that for God so loved you and I that he's determined that we don't need to live in a ditch by ourselves, but rather he would send his son Jesus down to this earth and into us so that we too could be made well, so that we too could be used, that Christ would use himself, that he himself, his own garments torn from his body, his own garments ripped from, ripped from, ripped from his limbs, he himself laid on a cross, all, why? So that you and I could experience life and so that we could experience life more abundant, so that you and I could experience life to the full, not so that the infection could just be drawn out, not so the healing process could perhaps be sped along, but so that you and I could experience full healing made possible through Jesus Christ. Even right now, I, I don't know exactly where it is that you're at. I, I don't know, even as I'm speaking these things and, and talking about this, I, I don't know how it resonates with you. I, I don't know what perhaps thoughts, you know, you're beginning to, you're beginning to turn over in your own heart. But I, even right now, I would venture to say that perhaps there's someone in this moment that's watching right now I don't know if you're watching on your phone all by yourself. Uh, maybe, maybe you're sitting in the living room uh, with a couple other people. Maybe you've just, you know, slipped out for a moment and, and as you were scrolling your feed, you just kind of stumbled across this and now you're joining us here now. But nonetheless, I need you to know that God loves you so much. That God loves you so much that he was sent his son Jesus to die for you. And that Jesus, he is not distant and he's not far off, but rather his desire would be to come up near you, come close to you. He'll risk it. He's risked it all for you so that you could experience life to the full. And my hope would be in this moment right now that you would open yourself up, that you would open your heart, that you would open, that you'd open your, your, your mind to perhaps just everything that it is that Jesus has for you. But for those of us who know who he is, for those of us that have some measure of relationship with Jesus, well, we need to read this story from a different perspective and we need to recognize that there is a responsibility that we carry. That as a neighbor and as a local, as, as someone who recognizes everything that it is that Jesus has accomplished for you and I, we have a responsibility. And a neighbor will initiate contact. A neighbor will risk it all to alleviate pain. And a neighbor will go out of their way to help in the healing. Friends, that's who we're called to be. That's what it looks like to be the church. Listen to me, Abbotsford Pentecostal Assembly. That's what it means 
to be the local church. The local church goes out of their way to initiate contact with people in need. The local church goes out of its way to help alleviate the pain that so many find themselves suffering in. The local church goes out of their way to help with the healing that is so necessary and needed right now in our community and in this broken world. And we don't do it on our own strength. Pressed, but not crushed. Persecuted, perhaps, but not abandoned. We do this because God has supplied us with everything needed and necessary so that we have on our person and in ourselves everything that's required for us to bring hope to every single home. Would you pray? Jesus, I thank you so much for this moment. I thank you for this portion of scripture. I I thank you for this truth and again, understanding what it means for us to be the local church. What it looks like for us to be neighbors in the places and spaces that we're so privileged to occupy and call home. God, I pray for my friends this morning uh, today that are, that, are, that are watching right now. I, I pray for my friends that right now could really use a, a, a touch from you, that right now needed to hear that truth, that, that you aren't so distant, it's so distant and far off, but rather that you're near and you're close and, and that you're present and that you're ready to help. God, I pray for those people right now, wherever they are, wherever they're seated, wherever they're, wherever they're situated, I pray right now, Lord, that they would sense you in a real way, that they'd experience you in a powerful way, that they'd encounter you in a life-changing way. I pray for that right now. And then I pray for us. I pray for my and I pray for us as a church. God, I pray that we would recognize the responsibility that we have, that this is what a neighbor does. This is what it looks like to be a local. A local is someone that will initiate contact. A neighbor is someone that will alleviate pain. The neighbor, the local is someone that will help with the healing, even if it costs them something personally themselves. That's what it looks like to be the church. And that's the church that we picture moving forward. A church that will bring hope, to every single home. Amen. Amen. Listen, I don't want you to go anywhere. First, if you uh, felt anything here together today, and as you've been watching this, if, if you are one of those people and you go, man, I can just so relate to that dude that's in the ditch. I've just felt this and I just, I've been laying open and sores, I feel like for so long. And that thought of God kind of coming down and Jesus running to me, that just, then I would love for you to reach out to us here this week. Please, at this church, send us an email. We would love to be in touch with you. We'd love to initiate some conversations with you. We'd love to get you plugged into one of our online socials so that you can begin just, you know, surrounding yourself with some other people so that you can, you know, do life with others and, and, and no longer be stuck alone. And that, that's really important to us. Now, on top of that, I need you to make sure you stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Don't dive off the stream. But I'm really, really excited about what it is that's coming up next. I'm really excited that from here right now, we're heading over into a video and it's with Pastor Kim and we're talking about the name change and all these things that are going on moving forward. And we want to just explain to you with a little more, just a little more thoroughly, just everything that's been going on around here behind the scenes and how it is that we picture becoming the local church and bringing hope to every single home. 
All right, since we started to meet online as a church, things have looked a little bit differently. We've really had to utilize technology in a whole new way, and we're having to film things and use cameras in a different way. And so I thought, why not take you behind the scenes a little bit so you can see a little bit of what it looks like every time we have to shoot something. So why don't you come to the studio with me, and I will show you a little bit of what our studio looks like and how we do everything on camera. And I also, while we're there, gonna take you behind the scenes a little bit and show you what it looks like or what local church is gonna look like as we begin to have a new image and move forward. So come on into the studio with me. Now here's where we set everything up, lights, camera, action. Isn't this awesome? And now I'm gonna go, I have to position myself right over here in front of the camera. Is this a good spot? Okay, so now that we're behind the scenes, I wanna give you a little bit of a look at how we arrived at some of the visual elements that you'll see with local church. And so the first thing maybe you've noticed is that we've been using the color yellow a lot. Now, maybe it's looking a little bit too white in here right now. Let's change that. Well, that's better. Now that we have the color yellow, let me tell you how we even arrived at this color. So we sat down with a whole bunch of adjectives and descriptive words on a piece of paper and we pulled out the words that specifically described who we are as a church, who local church would be moving forward. And some of those words that came out from that were hopeful, lively, innovative. And so as we began to look and ponder on those words, we realized that those words really related to descriptive words that came up in color theory. And so when you look at different colors and what they represent and the feelings that they even invoke when you look at them, when you look at the color yellow, that is a color of optimism, of hopefulness, of liveliness, of innovation. It's a color that represents all of those things. And for us as local church, that's exactly who we're going to be in our community. We are going to be a place where people experience hope and life, where we're doing innovative things, moving forward to pave the way. And so that's how we got to the color yellow. Pretty cool, right? Now, I want to walk you behind a little bit how we even got to like the logo and the word local that you've seen now over the last couple weeks. So I'm just going to shimmy over just a little bit here and give you some space to be able to see exactly what that logo looks like. Now, our mission statement for local church is simple. It's hope for every home. That's our heart. We want to see every single home experience the hope that they can find and experience in Jesus. And so what we say is local church, your hope, your home. Now let me show you how we got there. So when we started thinking about hope for every home, your hope, your home, the, the image that like initially came up that represented that was simple. It was a house. And so we started off just with a simple house shape. You know, the peaked roof, the flat sides on either side. And so as we began to think about what does that look like? How do we represent that shape and that visual as a home in how we move forward as local church? We began to use that as the outline and then played with the letters local church within that. And so you can see now that the L's on either side of that house shape kind of like form the sides of the house. And even that one L over there on the left even like shows a little bit of a chimney shape. And then with that O in the center, it just kind of slowly brings your eye up visually to the peak on that roof. And all of a sudden, those letters have created this very subtle kind of like hinting at you. We're just trying to slide it in of a home shape. Hope for every home, your hope, your home. 
So when you see this logo, when you see these words on a page, it is so much more than just the letters. But listen, this isn't the only option for how you'll see this represented on things. If we have a space where we maybe just, like we don't have a lot of space to spell out the whole word or we need, just need to put it somewhere in a corner, this is the perfect option. But the other option is actually to draw it out a little bit and spell out the entire word, just like this. So you might see the logo look a little bit different from here to then, but really like this logo, these visuals were created to really fit in with our lo local community here in Abbotsford. So even like, let's look at some of the other logos in our city. Like, you know, for example, Old Hand Coffee, you know, Let Farm Market, you know, some of the other local businesses that are in our areas, you put our logo right inside it and next to them and it totally looks like it fits the aesthetic of where our city, where our community is headed. Cause see, that's the heart of local church is that we're not just a church for the people that are already within the walls. We are a church for locals. We are local church. And so what we really want to remind people of is that wherever you are, whatever you're part of, whatever your background is, whatever your story is, you have a place here. You are accepted here. This is a church for you. You know, just this last week, Clark was out having lunch with someone and he had this conversation with a guy and, and it came up in the conversation that we were proposing changing our church name to local church. And the guy's response instantly was, wait, does that mean that I could come there now? And, you know, he was actually taken really off guard when the guy said, he's like, what do you mean now you can come there now? You've always been able to come. He said, yeah, but you know, Abbotsford Pentecostal Assembly, I, I wasn't a Pentecostal, so I didn't know if I was going to be welcome at your church. And Clark, was, I, I mean, honestly, our hearts were broken a little bit that that's the perception that people have of church, but recognizing that something as simple as changing a name to local church, a place where anyone was welcome, would make that, that would make such a big difference in people's lives was huge for us. And so it, through the conversation, this is what the guy said. He said, man, local church, that sounds like a church that I could go to. It sounds like a church that anybody who's a local in this city could be a part of. And that's exactly it. Local church is a church for anyone, anyone in our community who wants to be a part, anyone who's a local has a home here. And so that's why when we say local church, your hope your home. There's so much meaning and depth to that for us. And this wasn't just something that we just like dreamed up and came up with overnight. It has been intentional and strategic in trying to create something that really sends a clear message to our community. You're at home here.